Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who was accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we concluded our review of the testimony of the State Law Enforcement Division's Agent Melinda Worley. In this installment, we begin our look at the direct examination by the state of a SLED Senior Special Agent. That's all coming up, right after the break. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It is late morning on Monday, January 30th, 2023, the fourth day of the Alex Murdoch murder trial. Prosecutor Creighton Waters calls SLED Special Agent Jeff Croft to the stand. Special Agent Croft has short gray hair and a neatly trimmed gray beard and mustache. He wears a gray suit, a gray shirt, and a gray cross-pattern tie. Waters begins his questioning by asking the witness about his professional background. Special Agent Croft, how you doing today? Doing well, sir. So your uh, your beard's about as gray as mine is. Yes, sir. Is that where how you get to be a senior special agent? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where where'd you grow up? Where are you from? And uh, and then tell us a little bit about your career in law enforcement. I grew up in Barwell County. I started my law enforcement career in the early 2000s as a reserve deputy uh, with the Barwell County Sheriff's Office. Got hired full time. Uh, started on the road. I did road patrol. Uh, I then went to investigative services, or excuse me, investigations where I worked narcotics and violent crime. Uh, in 2012, transferred over to SLED, uh, where I worked in the Low Country region uh, in investigative services. I was assigned to this this area for investigative purposes, working homicides, violent crime, financial cases, all sorts of stuff. Okay. And how long have you been with SLED? I'm going on 12 years. Where were you assigned back on June 7th, 2021? I was assigned to the Low Country region here in Calden County. And did, were you summoned, I uh, called out to respond to the reports of the two deaths at 4147 Moselle Road? Uh, yes, sir, I was. About what time did you get a call? I, I got called out on uh, actually June the 8th, the morning of June the 8th, about 5.30 that morning. And where did you go from there? I was en route to the scene. Uh, I was rerouted to the uh, our field office here in Walterboro and uh, given instructions from there. And uh, given, having been given those instructions, what did you go do to help the investigation? What's the first thing you did? I located and interviewed uh, Rogan Gibson. And did you have a conversation with Rogan Gibson? Uh, yes, sir, I did. Did you ask Rogan Gibson about whether or not he had phone communications with Paul Murdoch the evening before? Yes, sir, I did. Did you ask him whether he had phone communications with Alec Murdoch the night before? Yes, sir, I did. Uh, did you ask him whether or not he had communications with Maggie Murdoch the night before? Yes, sir, I did. And did you ask uh, to see Rogan's cell phone? Yes, sir, I did. Did he allow you to take screenshots of uh, some, some of the records on his cell phone? 
Yes, sir, he did. All right, I'm going to show you very quickly what's been marked as exhibits 165, 166, 167, 168, 169, 170, 171, and 172. And just generally tell me if you recognize those particular exhibits. Yes, sir, these are the snapshots which I took of Rogan Gibson's phone. After Judge Clifton Newman admits these exhibits into evidence without objection, Prosecutor Waters goes through each item with Special Agent Croft. I'm going to uh, put up on the screen State's Exhibit 165. And is this one of those uh, images uh, that we were just talking about from Rogan Gibson? Yes, sir, it is. All right. And whose hand is that holding it up? Do you know? That is Rogan Gibson holding the phone for me to take the picture. All right. And where, was he manipulating the phone for you and then showing you when he found things and then you taking a picture of it with your phone? Yes, sir, he was. Okay. And does this reflect an uh, incoming call from Paul at a particular time? Yes, sir, it does. What time does it reflect that call? At 8.40 p.m. All right. And this is going to be on June 7, 2021? That is correct, sir. And how long does it reflect that call was? Approximately four minutes. Four minutes. All right. Let's look at the next one. I'm going to publish uh, what's been marked as State's Exhibit 166. And is this another screenshot that Rogan showed you from his communications with Paul Murdoch that night? Yes, sir, it is. And does it show an incoming call from Paul Murdoch to Rogan Gibson? Yes, sir, it does. And what time is that call? 8.44 p.m. 8.44 p.m.? That is correct. I'm going to show you next what's been marked as Exhibit 167 to your testimony. And is this another screenshot that was shown to you by Rogan Gibson from his communications with Paul Murdoch? Yes, sir, it is. And were these some texts between the two of them? Yes, sir, it is. All right. And does it reflect a text from Rogan to Paul on there? Uh, yes, sir, it does. At eight. What, what time is that? I'm sorry, go ahead. 8.49 8 p.m. 8.49 p.m. Is that correct? That is correct. And can you read that text to the jury, please? See if you can get a good picture of it. Marion wants to send it to a girl we know that's a vet. Tell him to sit and stay, and he shouldn't move around too much. All right. Does it reflect any response from Paul? It does not. All right. What is the next communication on this particular exhibit? It's, it's a little got glare on it. I can't. It looks like 9.58 p.m. All right. I'm going to bring the exhibit up because I know our Elmo's not working great. We're still working on that. But let me actually have you look at it. So we said there was that communication to Paul from Rogan, and then you said there was no response. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. And then the next thing is Rogan sends a text. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. What time is that text? 9.58 p.m. 9.58. What does he say? Yo. Y-O, yo. I'm going to put up on the screen State's Exhibit 168. Can you see that all right? Yes, sir. All right. And does this reflect a number of outgoing calls from Rogan to Paul trying to get him to answer? Yes, sir, it does. Can you tell the jury the times, starting at the bottom, that he's trying to call Paul Murdoch without an answer? At 9.10 p.m., there's a two-second outgoing call. At 9.29 p.m., there's a one-second outgoing call. At 9.42 p.m., there's a one-second outgoing call. And at 9.57 p.m., there's a four-second outgoing call. All right. I'm going to uh, put up on the screen State's Exhibit 169. And does this also reflect an outgoing call from Rogan to Paul that is unanswered? Yes, sir, it does. And what time was that? 10.08 
p.m. All right, we're now looking at State Exhibit 170. Who does this reflect communications with between Rogan, Gibson, and who? Uh, Mrs. Maggie Murdoch. All right. And Rogan sends her a text, is that correct? Yes, sir, he does. What time does he send that text? 9.34 p.m. And what does he say? Tell Paul to call me. I'm going to publish what's been marked as State's Exhibit 171. Can you see that all right? Yes, sir, I can see the time, but I can't see the top of it. Okay. Okay. All see. right. And who, who are uh, these communications from on Rogan Gibson's phone? Mr. Alex Murdoch. The defendant? That's correct. All right. And were there missed calls from Alec Murdoch? Yes, sir, it is. And can you tell the jury what times those were? At 10.21 p.m. and at 10.24 p.m. And then finally, State's Exhibit 172, are these additional missed calls? Yes, sir, it's missed calls. And who are they from? I, I can't see the top from that. Sorry? Mr. Alec Murdoch. Okay. And what time were these missed calls from Alec Murdoch to Rose Rogan Gibson? 10.25 uh, and 10.30 p.m. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. After leading Special Agent Croft through an enumeration of calls and texts between Rogan Gibson and Paul, Maggie, and Alex Murdoch, Prosecutor Waters asks the witness about his conversations with Mr. Gibson. Did you ultimately, you ultimately interviewed Rogan Gibson, is that correct? Yes, sir, I did. Without going into what he said, he told you what his communications and what he did that night and all the rest of it, is that right? Yes, sir, he did. Was there anybody with you when you interviewed him? Yes, sir, it was. And who was that? Uh, Special Agent Katie McAllister. Katie McAllister? Yes, sir. Uh, did you take a buckle swab from Rogan Gibson? Yes, sir, I did. And tell the jury just really quickly, what is a buckle swab? A uh, buckle swab is used to get a DNA standard uh, or a known standard that can be used by our lab to compare to uh, potential other evidence. Uh, it's a cotton swab, which we use on the inside of the cheek. Very non-intrusive. Once we get it, we seal it. Uh, that what evidence tape is transported to our lab uh, for our lab's use. I'm going to show you what's been marked as State Exhibit 154 and see if you recognize this document. Yes, sir, I do. All right, tell me what that is. Tell the jury what that is, please. It's a chain of custody form that we used when we secured the buccal swab from, a buccal swab from uh, Rogan Gibson. Put that up on the screen. And so right there, is that where it says what it is? That's correct, yes, sir. And uh, whose signature is that right there? That is myself. And then who's, whose name and signature is that right there? Uh, Melinda Worley, Special Agent Melinda Worley. Uh, after you had that interview with Rogan Gibson, what's the next thing you did in the case? Uh, is this the investigation? I went back to the scene where I briefed uh, Senior Special Agent David Owen uh, and the others that was uh, assisting with the investigation. Uh, I was asked to go to the uh, residence, uh, the Burnout residence, which was down from the kennels. And what, what was going to be your goal in going to the residence? I went to the residence to secure any firearms uh, or ammunition, uh, spent shell casings uh, of that nature that would be potentially compared to 
are similar in nature to what was at the scene. Did you go by yourself or did you go with the team? Uh, it was myself, Anthony Sampson, and Katie McAllister, both of which are special agents. What was your particular role or, uh, to this team? What was going to be your main job and why you were picked to be on this team to go in the house looking for firearms evidence? I have some knowledge of firearms uh, and, and ammunition, and my main duty was to attempt to locate any firearms that were capable of firing uh, similar ammunition that was at the, at the actual crime scene, any spent shell casings that would be similar in nature that could potentially be uh, tested back to. Uh, a firearm if one was located or tested in comparison to the casings which were at the scene. Had you been advised by other investigators what types of weapons or what ammunition had been used to murder Maggie and Paul? Yes, sir, I did. And can you tell the jury what you had been advised? I had been advised that it, would, it was a 12-gauge shotgun used, capable of shooting three-inch magnum. Uh, I was also advised that there was an AR rifle chambered for 300 blackout. 12 gauge and 300 blackout. That's correct, yes, sir. I'm going to show you what's been marked as exhibit uh, 160 to your testimony and see if you recognize that particular disc. Yes, sir, I do. Tell me what that disc is. It's a disc of my body worn camera recording from the day of the uh, house entry. All right, I'm going to show you what's been marked as exhibit 159. See if you recognize this particular exhibit. Yes, sir, I do. All right, and what's on that? This is, uh, again, a recording of my body worn camera for the house entrance. All right. And why are there two uh, recordings of body cams? Why do we have two instead of just one? Uh, after the initial entrance to the residence and some initial uh, items being secured, I stepped outside to speak to the investigative team, which was uh, up at the kennels. And then I walked back in the house. While I was outside, I noticed some items on the ground uh, that needed to be secured. Uh, so I walked back in the house, got Anthony Sampson, Special Agent Anthony Sampson, to accompany me outside to collect those items. And what and were those items? I'm going ahead and let's jump ahead. What were those items you ultimately collected out there? It was uh, 300 blackout shell casings, which appeared to be weathered at the bottom of the stoop, entered to the entrance of what I call the gun room, uh, and in the flower bed on each side. All right, and when you say cases or casings, tell the jury what we're talking about. What is a case or a casing as opposed to the whole cartridge? Can you, can you explain that to the jury, please? Cartridge case is what's ejected from the weapon once it's fired. It houses the powder, the primer, the bullet on the end, which is the projectile, which leaves the end of the barrel. It's, it's basically just the housing that holds the uh, firing mechanism. In a, in a shell or in a casing. And in a semi-automatic weapon, once the bullet is fired, what happens to the casing? It, in a semi-automatic weapon, it is ejected. It's ejected? Yes, sir. Okay. And if nobody picks it up, it stays right there on the ground, doesn't it? That is correct. Yes, sir. Your Honor, this time I've moved State's Exhibit 159 and 160 into heaven. We don't object to the video of either one. And there's one longer video that's in the house, I know it's 159 and 160, that we would object to the audio portion being played. And you're right, I have no problem with that. I'm going to play that particular video with the audio down because there is discussion with other witnesses who will testify who are in the house. Uh, and so I, that's acceptable to the state for that, that particular exhibit. Griffin? Yeah, that's acceptable. All right. It, as long as there's no hearsay from the witnesses. He said the audio is down, so it's admitted under those conditions. Thank you, Your Honor. And for the record, 159 is the exhibit. We'll play with the audio down. 
Prosecutor Waters begins to play the body cam footage and asks Special Agent Croft a series of questions as it plays. All right, so uh, Special Agent Croft, since uh, we don't have audio on this, we might just kind of narrate it for the uh, jury while things are happening, okay? All right, sir. All right, let's do that. All right, what's happening right now? We are walking up to the uh, side door of the residence, which enters the uh, gun room. And just real quick, we see that side stoop right there? Yes, sir. What was found right there, if anything, by that stoop? 300 blackout casings. Is that what you just were talking about? Yes, sir, it is. Right there, huh? Yes, sir. Thank you. Who is that individual right there? Do you know? Uh, Attorney Lee Cope. Who's talking to him? Uh, Special Agent McAllister. I'm going to move it forward, going in the house a little bit. Where are we now? We are inside of the uh, residence at 4147 Moselle Road in the gun room. Who are you shaking hands with right now? Uh, that would be Attorney Mark Ball. All right. Who, who's getting their hands shook right now? Mr. Attorney Ronnie Crosby. Now, you mentioned Lee Cope and Mark Ball and Ronnie Crosby. Who are those individuals? What, what if anything, is their relationship with Alec Murdoch? They are law partners uh, with, or were law partners with Mr. Alec Murdoch at uh, PMPD. Do you know what Alec Murdoch did for a living? Uh, he was a trial lawyer, and he also was a prosecutor for the 14th Circuit Solicitor's Office under Solicitor Duffy Stone. And what does the prosecutor do? Uh, they try cases for the state. Criminal cases. Criminal cases for the state, yes, sir. That's what he did. That is correct. I'm going to fast forward just a little bit. What's that sort of in the uh, center of the screen right there? That's a uh, gun cabinet or gun shelf. What's going on right now? Special Agent McAllister is explaining why we are there, kind of what we're looking for, and, and gaining consent to search that area. Was consent ultimately obtained to search? Yes, sir, it was. All right, at this point, are you all having a conversation with people who were there? I'm not trying to get into the conversation. Just were you having a conversation? Yes, sir, we were. All right, and who are the two individuals you're talking to, or three individuals you're talking to right there? Uh, Ronnie Crosby on the right, uh, Mark Ball in the center, and Mr. Lee Cope on the left-hand side, uh, Agent McAllister standing with her back turned. At some point, uh, did Mark Ball point to anything? Yes, sir, he did. And what did he point to? A 300 blackout. Uh, rifles, which was sitting in the uh, gun wall. Did Ronnie Crosby point to it? Yes, sir. Then whose body cam are we looking at right now? That would be mine. Where are you going right now? I'm walking over to the uh, gun wall or gun cabinet in order to get a better picture of what uh, Mr. Uh, Ball is pointing to. Is that it right there in the middle? That is it, yes, sir. Right. What is uh, Mark Ball pointing to right now? He's pointing to the numbers which are displayed on the bottom of the magazine. Is this the blackout we're talking about? That is correct. All right. Uh, did you look at that particular magazine? Yes, sir, I did. What, if anything, did you notice about that magazine? Uh, the magazine stamped with 223. Is 223 the same ammunition as 300 blackout? Uh, it's same in length. 223 magazine is capable of uh, housing a 300 blackout round. Uh, well, explain to me a little bit about 223, which is a type of ammunition, and blackout. W what are the differences and what are the similarities between those two rounds? They both can be fired from the AR frame. Uh, the 300 blackout is actually uh, approximately a 30 millimeter projectile, a little bit larger bullet than the 223. Has a little more kinetic energy at a little more stopping power than the 223. The 223 is a faster bullet, a little flatter trajectory. It does not have the uh, stopping power that the 300 has. Uh, but because the 300 is a larger bullet but and, and trying to use it in an AR frame, uh, it's neck down, so you don't have 
quite as much speed coming out or, or velocity coming out of the uh, barrel than you would with a 223. What is it you just said, though, a 300 blackout has more of? Stopping power than, than the uh, 223. And stopping power, what does that mean? It has more impact than the uh, 223 round would have. Impact. All right. What else are you looking for right now as you look through the, the other firearms on that particular gun rack? Any additional uh, rifles capable of shooting a 300 blackout and also the uh, any 12-gauge shotguns which are capable of shooting uh, 3-inch magnum. Let me ask you this. Did you find any other weapons that could shoot 300 blackout? Uh, no, sir, we did not. Did you ever find any other weapons on Alec Murdoch's property that could shoot 300 blackouts other than that one that was in the gun rack? No, sir, we did not. We're going to talk more about this in a minute, but did you find some 12 gauges? Yes, sir, we did. All right, what are we looking at right here? That's to the right of the uh, gun wall or gun cabinet. It's various ammunitions uh, for different type of weapons, shell casings, parts for the gun wall. And you're having a conversation with who right there? Uh, Attorney Mark Ball. As, as a result of that conversation, was Mark Ball pointing to things? Yes, sir, he was. Specific things? Yes, sir, he was. Did you ultimately come back and collect some of those things? Yes, sir, I did. I'm going to fast forward to about 7 minutes and 30 seconds. Keep this thing moving. Right there. What's down right there? That is an empty box with the label S&B 300 BLK. Right. Did you ultimately collect that box? Yes, sir, I did. All right, I'm going to show you what's been marked as Texas Exhibit 213 and see if you recognize that item. Yes, sir, I do. Prosecutor Waters requests that Judge Newman admit a photo of the cartridge box into evidence, and the judge does so without objection. I'm going to show it to you again. I'm going to put it up on screen. Does that box reflect the grain weight of the bullets of that ammunition that we're inside of? Yes, sir, it does. And what is that? 147 grains. All right, and tell me, tell the jury, what is 147 grains, or just grains in general when it comes to a bullet, what does that mean? It's the weight of the uh, projectile. And it's possible to have certain ammunition of the same caliber, but it has different weights, is that correct? That is correct, yes, sir. All right, and this blackout is 147 grains, correct? That is correct, yes, sir. And that's the empty box you found in the gun room? Yes, sir, it is. All right, and right there, is that the grains that you were talking about? Uh, yes, sir, it Step is. Step down if you need to, see what I'm pointing at. I, I can see you, sir. All right, can you read that right there? Yes, sir, I can. And what does it say? Cellier and looks like Bellet. And in shorthand, when your people are talking about ammunition, how do they say that? S and B. S and B. And then on the back right here, can you read that? Yes, sir, I can. And what does that say? 300 AAC blackout. Fast forward in a little bit, just to keep us going. At this particular time, as it relates to the shotguns, are you looking to collect every single shotgun that's on that rack or only specific shotguns? Only specific shotguns. And what specific gauge of shotgun were you looking to collect? 12 gauge. And why only 12 gauge? That was the uh, shell casings or, or that was located at the uh, crime scene. And with that answer from Special Agent Croft, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we continue our review of the testimony of SLED Special Agent Croft as he further describes the footage from his body cam taken in and around the Murdoch home on the day after the murders. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. 
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.